How do you handle losing your job through no fault of your own? Bosses who swear, threaten, even hit their employees. Foremen who order their staffers to operate under dangerous work conditions. Or supervisors who sexually harass employees. Few of us really know how to hang on to our jobs or what to do if our main source of income is abruptly terminated. Beat the Boss opens the doors on what really happens between the hours of 9 and 5. I didn't sexually harass anybody. I wasn't told by the employee that made the allegations that I was inappropriate or don't do that. All I did was thank her for doing me a favor. So I said thank you very much and I gave her a kiss on the cheek. These are real people in real situations. I left a, a hospital situation. He's come up behind me and gently rubbed my and I asked him to stop doing that. He said, I'll stop punching you, but I will not stop playing with you. Beat the Boss brings real workplace issues and problems to the airwaves and delivers vital information for Americans whose lives depend on keeping their jobs and preserving their dignity. Welcome to another podcast episode of Beat the Boss. I'm Lisa Carton, along with Spencer Cohn, lawyer, pundit, unemployment expert, and author of Beat the Boss, Win in the Workplace. And uh, we're returning from a little vacation. It wasn't exactly Hawaii. I think we had Polynesian food one night. Didn't that take you there? <laughs> it took me to the bathroom. <laughs> So where are we going to take everyone in this episode? This episode of Beat the Boss has us discussing why out-of-work employees are not receiving their unemployment benefits. Also in this post-pandemic world, why aren't folks heading back to work? We'll chat about its effects on family and friends. And we'll also explain something called arbitration clauses. They're nasty contract provisions, and if you're lucky enough to begin a new job, beware. We'll go in depth. Gretchen Carlson, a former colleague of mine at Fox News, will weigh in on this. And as always, we'll have Spencer's tip of the week and listener emails. You know, for the last several months, I've noticed a trend for those who filed for unemployment benefits as far back as March of 2020, well over a year from today. These folks still have not been paid their benefits and have had no communication with the various states that they've applied in. That's crazy. People wait on hold on the phone for hours and they get absolutely nowhere. It's really a calamity of errors, some political and some not. Okay, so let's take one at a time. How's it political? Do you remember towards the end of Trump's term, Congress passed a bill to extend and increase unemployment benefits? Please don't offend Trump supporters out there. I won't, and I'm not taking sides, but... Congress passed an unemployment relief bill, and then President Trump was required to sign it by Saturday at midnight. I recall, and he did not make that deadline. He did not. In fact, he waited until the next day, Sunday, after his round of golf, remember that was in the news, mm -hmm. reviewed his score over drinks, had a shower. Now, don't offend, Spencer. <laughs> it's hard really not to, because if you're one of the millions that file for unemployment benefits, you know that the week begins on a Sunday and ends on a Saturday. When Trump failed to sign on that Saturday midnight deadline, the system essentially had to reboot itself, delaying payments for millions mm. for about three weeks. It was an unnecessary delay. So what else happened? The unemployment offices were confused with the federal government's messaging and the skeleton staff, oh yeah, they were affected just as much as anybody else with the COVID virus in every state were receiving conflicting instructions. 
Do applicants do work searches? Do they not do work searches? Do claimants apply for pandemic unemployment assistance? Or do they have to exhaust regular unemployment benefits? And then when does one apply for pandemic emergency unemployment compensation? It's all so confusing. It is. In addition, the questions on the weekly claim form were constantly changing. And one more problem, claimants unintentionally answered some of the questions incorrectly. So what's a claimant supposed to do? All I can suggest is that when you answer a question, really understand what the question is asking. If you aren't sure, don't guess. Ask someone. It doesn't have to be a professional. Just ask someone and discuss it. What am I supposed to ask my dog? All I can suggest is that when you answer a question, really understand what the question is asking. If you aren't sure, don't guess. Ask someone. It doesn't have to be a professional. Just ask someone and discuss it. So no guessing. Correct. But sometimes that's what it will come down to. Here's another example of what occurred. Someone claims their benefits and then expects to receive them, but they don't appear. So they don't claim the following week. That seems pretty common. Why would someone not continue claiming? They lost confidence in the system, or they answered a question on the weekly claim form incorrectly, or they received an unfavorable decision. Lastly, the state has to review your claim and verify who you are, that you are entitled to the benefits. Well, isn't everyone entitled? No. A lot of people say they left the job because of COVID, but they may not have had a valid reason. For instance, because they believed they weren't safe. On the other hand, the employer did everything they're supposed to do according to CDC guidelines. Or so they say. Right. However, the employee thinks otherwise, which requires an investigation, and weeks go by and still no checks. Well, that's not right. It's not, but it's the best system out there. A lot of people got paid their benefits, and then they find out that their claim was contested, and then they have to pay the money back because they weren't entitled to the money in the first place. Well, that's unfair. Well, what if you were entitled to benefits and never received them, and you lost your house or your car because of the state's mistake? It's just so sad. And so the state recognizes that and pays out the benefits. If you're subsequently determined not entitled, then they come after you for repayment. Getting back to why it's months before people who are entitled to benefits aren't receiving them. A lot of people may not be entitled because they didn't earn the amount of income required to be eligible in two consecutive quarters. Or, as I mentioned, they mistakenly answered a question wrong on the claim form. Or they filed for the wrong assistance. For instance, they filed for pandemic when they hadn't fully exhausted their regular unemployment benefits. You explain this very well, but even with this explanation, it is so confusing and convoluted. Who can figure this stuff out? I mean, you really need to get some professional assistance or advice when you file for unemployment benefits. You know, it's a shame that the states make it so difficult. But when in doubt, get some help like Spencer. Or someone like me. Oh, but you're one of a kind. I hope that's meant in a good way. <laughs> okay, let's change gears. In the news recently that was extremely disturbing was that an 86-year-old Florida man who had worked at a sugar mill for 31 years shot and killed his boss after he was fired. I saw that. That was pretty bad. He must have been off his rocker. Spencer, <laughs> don't... I, that is... That's disturbing. Okay, okay. I Seriously, though, <laughs> my guess would be that it was built-up resentment. Are but, you a psychologist? No, but, you know, obviously we don't know the exact circumstances that caused him to do this. 
It just goes to show you taking away one's livelihood affects you at any age and more times than we care to hear. It causes an extreme or sometimes violent reaction. You know, Lisa, I have a client who was terminated after 14 years of service. And after being fired, he became extremely depressed. Well, that's natural. He was so depressed that he failed to read his mail from unemployment and didn't timely file an appeal after receiving an unfavorable determination. That's not unusual, I don't think, but what happened? He had no reasonable explanation for staying in his room for months and not taking care of daily errands, like appealing the determination letter from the state. Spencer, he was depressed. Well, yes, but you make time to eat, shower, go to the restroom, sleep, don't you? Well, most of us do, but, you know, he was depressed. Well, it takes all of two minutes to take out a piece of paper and write on it, I request an appeal. Place a stamp on the envelope and mail it. Or make an appointment to speak to a psychologist or psychiatrist about the depression. Lying in a room trying to figure things out by yourself isn't the answer. By the way, when you receive an unfavorable decision, don't waste time calling to find out why. Just file an appeal. A lot of people waste time trying to call in as the time period passes them by. You know, I feel for this guy, you know. If it happened to me, I could see closing the door, throwing the covers over my head, and listening to a Neil Young or Jackson Brown album for a few days. Yeah, and neither one of those guys will help you. <laughs> what will? Gummies? Well, again, that would only mask the problem. I remember quitting one of my first jobs out of law school. I came back to my apartment, walked through the front door, and found my roommate. He was laying on the sofa watching a movie. And I asked him, are you off today? He said, I was fired. I said, well, I just quit my job. I took your advice and told my boss that it's too nice a day to be inside. And I walked out. He jumps up from the sofa and said, I'll get the wiffle ball and bat. You know, some people do have different ways of dealing with unfortunate circumstances, Spencer. The best way to deal with it is be a cowboy and get back on the saddle, apply for unemployment benefits, and immediately work on your resume and apply for other jobs as soon as possible. I will, however, note that weekly unemployment benefits are currently pretty large, so people are not so eager to look for work. Yeah, you kind of left that one out. Some folks are getting between 600 and almost $1,000 a week. Yeah, quite a bit. All right, but it's also hard on the employee's support circle, meaning their spouses, parents, friends, you know, all that. You're right. Take a listen to how my client's friend reacted to his sudden loss of employment. Really, it affects me. I guess nobody's bad as it affects them. And I would like to like do all I can, like to try to find them a job, whatever I can do to make sure that they get back on their feet. Uh, your friends, you love them, and what affects them affects you too. And uh, really, you can't either be content knowing that they're, they're not in a good way, you know, knowing that they can't make a living. And you do everything you can when it comes down to giving them money or assist them into getting to work or, or whatever you can do, or, you know, trying to find them a job. You do all you can to try to make their life like it was at first, you know. So how should employers fire you to avoid hurting you? I mean, there seems really no way around it. You know, remember that movie Up in the Air starring George Clooney and Anna Kendrick? Oh, here we go. Are you going off the reservation? Listen to this dialogue in the movie where Clooney's character felt getting fired in person by the person who hired you was a much better way to accept it. I think he was right. Okay, kiddo, fire me. 
Brian, I listen, she's gonna be doing this on a regular basis. Don't you want to know if she could fire somebody? She's fired Ned. My dog could fire Ned. Fire me. You don't need to do this. No, it's okay. I got this. Mr. Bingham, I regret to inform you that your position at this company is no longer available. Hmm. Who the hell are you? My name is Miss Keener. I'm here today to discuss your future. My future? The only one who could fire me is Craig Gregory. Mr. Gregory hired me to handle this for him. Handle what? Handle me? Mr. Gregory hired me. He's the only one who could fire me. You know what? I'm going to go talk to him. Mr. Bingham. No, no, no. You can't follow me. You're on a computer screen, remember? Right. All right, let's try this again. Fire me again. I just did. Actually, you did. Fire me. That's enough. I think we get it. Mr. Bingham, yeah. I'm here today to inform you that your position is no longer available. I'm fired. Yes, you're fired. Never say fired. You've been let go. Why? This is a mythical situation. How could I possibly know why? Well, why doesn't matter. You never know why. It's important not to focus on the why and rather to spend your energy thinking about your future. Well, I'm going to spend my energy on suing you unless you give me a good reason why you're firing Mr. me. Mr. Bingham, the reason's not important. So you're firing me without grounds. Now I really have a lawsuit. I get what you're trying to say, Ryan. Don't take this personally, Mr. Bingham. Personally? This is the most personal situation that you are ever going to enter. So before you try to revolutionize my business, I'd like to know that you actually know my business. It's such a demeaning and heart-wrenching thing to go through, but really, how can it be done correctly? Well, it all goes back to the employer spending time to train you properly. I've seen employees trained very diligently, and they still can't perform up to expectation. <laughs> That's true, too. You know, while I was in college, I got a job working for a law firm in the pension department. What happened? You didn't continue your work for that moving company? No. But I knew more about moving than I did about pensions <laughs> at the time. And even though I was given a lot of training, I couldn't catch on. I think they dismissed me before lunch. <laughs> but in a lot of instances, it can be chalked up to a personality clash, and there's no way around that. Bottom line, don't let one incident define you. When one door closes, another one opens. You've heard that expression. Yes, it's a little overused, okay. Spencer. But it's true. But you have to be proactive and positive in that next step, even though it can be trying and difficult. Don't be afraid to get help or advice. Mm. Well, you like drawing analogies to movies. So I do. How about actor Brad Pitt addressing firing a ball player in the movie Moneyball? This little part takes place when Pitt's character, Billy Bean, the general manager of the Oakland A's baseball team, tells actor Jonah Hill's character that he needs to learn how to fire someone. I'm a player, and you got to cut me from the roster. No. Go. What do you mean, no? No. Do it. This is stupid. Part of the job, man. Billy, please have a seat. I need to talk to you for a minute. Go on. You've been a huge part of this team. Sometimes you have to make decisions that are best for the team. I'm sure you can understand that. You're cutting me. I'm really sorry. I just bought a house here. Well. In Oakland. Well, uh, well. Well, it, well, that's all you got to say? My kid just started a new school. They made friends. That's, uh, well, you shouldn't pull them out in the middle of the school year. You, you should wait. What the hell are you talking about? I don't know. I don't know. I shouldn't have, I'm not going to do this. I don't I think this is stupid. I'm not going to fire anybody, and this is dumb. They're professional ball players. Just be straight with them. No fluff, just facts. Pete, I gotta let you go. Jack's office will handle the details. That's it? Really? Would you rather get a bullet to the head or fired to the chest and bleed to death? Are those my only two options? Employers struggle with firing employees. When employees are hired, 
I bet they're never told that they may have to participate in an unemployment hearing. Yeah, well, that reminds me. There's another thing that wasn't discussed when I signed my contract at my network news gig. What was that? It was an arbitration clause. Oh, yeah. It was stealthily inserted into my contract. I'd never heard of it. It never occurred to me at the time how significant it could be down the road. In an unemployment contract, it's a clause in your contract or a handbook that essentially says if you have a beef with your employer and you want to sue them, that it will be remedied by an independent arbitrator rather than the court system. Mm, I asked my former colleague, Fox News anchor Gretchen Carlson, to weigh in. Hey, listeners of Beat the Boss podcast. This is Gretchen Carlson. And I'm here today to offer some sage advice about what our kids might face in the workplace emotionally uh, moving forward. Um, as you know, I sued Fox News and Roger Ailes over sexual harassment in the workplace. Um, it's why I'm doing all this advocacy work now to try and change it so that our kids don't face it. But the main thing is we have to stop the silencing mechanisms, arbitration clauses in your employment contract and NDAs that so many of us are now forced to sign. Uh, when we silence people, we never get to the root of the problem. And that's what I'm going all across the country and the world trying to tell people about, that the more we talk about these issues, the more we're transparent. That's how we get to the crux of the matter. Um, also, I have a bill on the Hill um, to eradicate arbitration clauses for harassment in the workplace. If that passes, that will be a game changer. I certainly hope that if you are an employee that has any of these silencing mechanisms that you can maybe band together, go to HR, ask the company to please re-examine this because we are making so much progress and we are going to eventually all have a voice. This was valuable information from Gretchen, but think about this. Let's say hypothetically you are treated unfairly at work and you file a charge of discrimination. Where do I do that? With the Equal Employment Opportunities Commission. Here's essentially what happens. If you have a problem at work and it goes to arbitration, the employer provides evidence such as evaluations, mm. attendance records, write-ups, and examples of poor performance justifying your termination and denies any unfair treatment. As an employee, you provide some emails that infer unfair treatment and deny poor performance issues. The entire file is sent to an arbitrator who reviews it and decides whether you're entitled to any compensation. Is this just a one-time thing? Does this take 10 minutes? How long is this? You know, it depends on how long the guy wants to review your file for. It could be five seconds. It could be days or weeks. But that's all he has is your file. Well, this arbitrator can't know everything. Exactly. The arbitrator can't possibly get the whole picture because he or she is limited to the file in front of them. Okay. And if there's no arbitration clause in a contract? Well, it goes to a court in your jurisdiction. A jury trial can be demanded. Really? And the media can more easily review it, possibly investigate the lawsuit, placing the employer in the public eye, which they never like. This exposure would diminish the employer's reputation and produce a greater settlement to the employee to dispense with the lawsuit. Okay, so arbitration clauses protect the employer. Correcto mundo. Well, I'm glad Gretchen's doing something about it. And it's sad because, as I mentioned, employers include it in your handbook or contract, and you don't have any recourse. Either accept it or you don't start working for the employer. You know, it's not fair, and I certainly didn't pay much attention to it. Here's what you can try and do. Number one, 
you object to the clause or hire a lawyer and have the lawyer object to the clause, which kind of keeps you out of the discussion. Well, that's what I would do, hire an attorney. I remember when I applied for a job and the salary offered was too low, I hired a lawyer to do my bidding. Buffering you from your employer can be helpful, but it still won't sit well with human resources. The employer knows they can pass on you and hire someone else. That's right. Less informed. Yeah. Who will accept the arbitration clause and you're out of the job. What good does that do? Well, or number two, be a little tricky and print out the contract or handbook and delete the clause altogether and sign it and then mail it back to the employer. A lot of employers are sending out handbooks electronically, which makes it more difficult to delete a paragraph or two that you don't agree with. So always ask for the hard copy and then do what you need to do to it and send it back signed. Perhaps the employer will overlook seeing what you delete it. This sounds a little shady. But I think it's even more shady that the employer inserts it without discussing it with you during the hiring process. Exactly. Another option is more obvious, which is crossing out the paragraph and mailing it back signed. Nothing like starting out a job on the wrong foot. Employers do this also with confidential non-compete agreements and separation agreements. Yeah, I've seen those too. After you begin working at a position, perhaps within the first week or two, you come back to your desk and there's a non-compete agreement sitting there waiting for you to sign. It's like I already accepted the terms of my employment and now you're adding more terms? I had a friend from high school call me and say that he received a separation agreement where the employer fired him, but the separation agreement stated that in lieu of him accepting X amount of money, that he voluntarily separated from employment. I remember telling him to print out the page and add the letters I-N in front of the word voluntarily. And with the same font, sign and return it. What happened? Well, the employer didn't read it closely. And when my buddy applied for unemployment benefits, naturally he called me, the employer produced the separation agreement thinking it said the claimant voluntarily separated from employment. It didn't. It said involuntarily. Very clever. The judge asked the employer, how did this document demonstrate that the claimant voluntarily quit when it clearly doesn't state that? And I could hear the employer's HR director mutter to herself, how the heck did this happen? Ugh, employers are always looking out for themselves. So as an employee, you have to be equally savvy. Next up, Spencer's tip of the day. If you're let go from your job, look at it like it's an opportunity to do what you want to do. Of course, you're going to feel sad and disappointed. Where are the gummies? Instead of feeling like, woe is me, look at it as an opportunity. Now you can exercise at a normal hour. Now you can make doctor's appointments. And now take... you can lay on the beach. Now you can take care of your wellness issues. Now you can have a margarita. Without having to answer to someone. And get the gummies. <laughs> it might have been a dead-end job to begin with. And now you can focus on your passion and do what you want to do. Gummies? No. <laughs> so often people remain at their job for years because they're scared to leave they don't mm -hmm. know what's around the corner and that makes them uncomfortable sure thing and all kidding aside this is very true you're always working with that false sense of security because at any time your present employer could fire you the company could restructure or even worse go out of business now let's take questions from employees got a few of them today let's take one from albuquerque new mexico and Lindsay writes 
I've been unemployed because of COVID-19 since March of 2020. In March of 2021, I was asked to start a new claim, but was disqualified for not having earned enough wages. My appeal was denied. What should I do next? What document or info do I need? Lindsay, I believe you're going to have to wait for your original claim to be reviewed. I know it's been forever, but they will get to it. In the meantime, see if you can apply for Pandemic Extended Unemployment Compensation, that's P-E-U-C, as well as Pandemic Unemployment Assistance, P-U-A. Okay. From Cincinnati, Denise writes, I filed for my benefits on 218 of 21. I was wrongfully terminated and never received a termination letter or reason why I was fired. I filed a claim with OSHA. OSHA, um, for everybody, stands for Occupational Safety and Health Administration. All right, I'll continue. Uh, I filed a claim with OSHA before I was terminated. When I was fired, I was told by the manager I was laid off for insubordination because I refused to perform a job I considered harmful to my health. When I filed my claim, I put insubordination because I assumed it would have been cleared up by now due to my wrongful termination. This is confusing. Yeah, I'm not sure why Denise would have admitted to insubordination if there wasn't any insubordination. Unfortunately, anything you communicate to the state can be used as evidence when you have your unemployment hearing. And then the judge will see an inconsistent statement made by you. The judge will likely accept what you communicated closer to the time when you separate it than at a late date. Okay. Sammy from Lexington, Kentucky asks, I was approved for just under $15,000 of unemployment benefits. The day my check was to be deposited, the website switched to under investigation. Kentucky Governor Bashir's office says it was a glitch in the system. We've been trying for months to get an appointment with UI. At the office building today, they would not let me in and said they're just hoping I would give up and go away. I have a copy of the website from yesterday saying I was approved for $569 a week. The state of Kentucky has issued checks to people who have not applied, and there were people standing in line saying they were there to return those checks. Hmm. The state of Kentucky website was hacked and received a federal assistance loan to bail them out and to pay the people that were approved. This started on August 8th, 2020. I was employed until December 3rd of 2021. The total amount owed falls between $9,500 and $11,000. I don't understand this. Well, there's there's multiple questions here. First of all, I think, Sammy, you may be inferring too much. What I mean by this is, yes, you may be eligible for $569 per week, and you may have $15,000 available, but that doesn't mean you are qualified to receive it. Second, Sammy, there's no way you could know what checks the state of Kentucky has sent out and to who. You're going to have to wait for correspondence from the state, so monitor your email and regular mail on a daily basis. He should get some help from you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, uh, we have time for one more. This is from Orange, New Jersey, and Luis writes, I was in an automobile accident. I have no fault insurance. The accident was my fault. I broke my leg in two places, and I have a metal rod in my leg. That was February 27th of 20. This isn't Tiger Woods, is it? No. Okay. I lost my car. It was totaled. I feel I got slighted. I only receive wages from my insurance company. I didn't sue or anything, and my leg still hurts. The doctor says the x-rays show my leg where it snapped, but it's now healed. I was wondering if I can receive unemployment. I've been trying for almost a year to prove my identity. I can't get a hold of anyone. I have no income. I'm living off my savings and no job and still hurt from my accident, even with doctor visits scheduled. Again, Lewis, you're going to have to wait and hear from the state. In the meantime, it will be helpful to acquire a doctor's release and work on your job search. 
and have your social security card and driver's license ready to go. And let's hope he feels better. Yeah. Stay tuned for our next episode, and we'll be back with more sage advice for employees, employers, and the unemployed. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, under the Work Whiz, or for an immediate question, visit Spencer's website, flatrateappeal.com, where you can chat with him live, or you can email him at spencer at beattheboss.tv. If you'd like to leave us a review, you can do so on Spotify, Google, or Apple. Beat the Boss podcast is designed to offer awareness of issues at the workplace. It is not intended to give legal advice. Always consult an attorney in your area for your particular situation.